Welcome to Two Pets in a Podcast, Episode 3. I'm your host, Patrick. And I'm also Patrick. Last time I said the next episode would be a long one, but then Samsung announced some things. Much like when we talked about the Apple things, we'll probably do a bit of a what the things were, do we like them, will we buy them? Let's start with the the S8 and the S8 Plus. I think the most notable difference from the previous version is the phone is longer and narrower. It's got a new screen aspect ratio of 18.5 by 9. The resolution's still Quad HD. Or Quad HD Plus, because it's taller now. Oh, yeah. And both phones, even though one's 5.7 and the other one's over 6 inches, I 6. think. 6.2. Yep. Even though they're different screen sizes, they have the same screen resolution. I think 2960 by 1440. Although I just found out that it doesn't run at that by default. It actually runs at a 1080. Oh, okay. That's similar to the Xperia Z something or other, which had a... A 4K display, but only used it for video, which kind of... I I think that's fine, because the higher resolution is wasted a lot of the time. But then it's used so much in marketing, I don't like that so much. In some ways, it's a smart move. Because you don't need all those pixels when you're just staring at icons. But yes, on the other side of the coin, it's 4K, but it's not used uh, most of the time. In Samsung's defense, they actually do have an option you can turn on to put it in 2960 by 1440 mode. Unlike the, the Xperia, where there was no way to force it into 4K all the time. You can have that full resolution, and we don't know yet what penalty you'll pay, but hopefully it's not too bad. Staying with the screen, there is no more non-edged version of the Galaxy S phones. Both phones have the Edge display, which they've rebadged as the Infinity display. Yeah, they've, they've nicely kind of made the the bezels around the edges even skinnier, and with that design, they've also picked up the Note 7 style of rounded front and rounded back, which makes it uh, more comfortable to hold. And I think it feels... It feels smaller. Yeah. And one last thing about the screen. The only thing that worries me about having a no, um, having them all as Edge versions is that on the S7 Edge, I did have some trouble with my palm accidentally touching the edge surface and causing issues with touchscreen reliability. That's fixed for me when I got a case, but I'm hoping that Samsung has done a bit more work in palm rejection so that you don't have to have a case for it to be not a problem. It was a concern that many had when Apple released the iPad Air with the skinnier bezels than the previous iPads, and also with the iPad Mini. and in that case, Apple did do the work to put in decent palm rejection. So hopefully, hopefully Samsung have done the same. It's not the first time. So they've had a few phones that have it now. So he is hoping that they've learnt from their previous experiences. The front camera has gone from a 5 megapixel camera to 8 megapixels with autofocus. For comparison, the iPhone 7 and 7 Plus have a 7 megapixel front-facing camera. Higher resolutions are always better to a point, and everyone takes selfies. All the tourists that we've seen when we've been out um, always take a selfie with their phone. It's definitely a welcome addition. The autofocus is also going to be a, a nice one, as long as it's good. 
the home button is now gone. Samsung have finally embraced software buttons. They still put the back button in the wrong place by default, but at least you can move it. Yeah, that's right. And it makes for a more symmetrical front because now the top bezel and the bottom bezel are uniform and it's allowed them to get a lot skinnier as well. With the bonus that the Samsung logo from the front has disappeared. Yes. The negative, though, is that the fingerprint sensor is also moved to the back, which is okay on the 5X and the 6P, which kind of followed the Motorola design of just above the middle in the back, where most of the time you can find that pretty easily with your finger. On the S8 and S8 Plus, they put it to the right of the camera, which I worry would lead to me just putting giant finger smudges on my camera all the time. And that's the concern that a lot of the reviewers, which had hands-on time with the S8s, claimed. And also it's it's a bit of an ergonomic nightmare because it, the phone has gotten so much taller that the camera itself is already quite high up. One reviewer did say that with her small hand, she pretty much had to shimmy up her hand just to get it to the right position. And then she was fumbling around trying to touch the fingerprint sensor and was touching the camera lens a couple of times. Samsung kind of answered that with the iris and face recognition. Face recognition is already being shown to be easily fooled with a photo, so we're left with iris recognition being the potentially secure option. I'm okay with that. The only concern that I have is, as a person who wears glasses, I'm not sure how effective that iris scanner would be. None of the people in YouTube who reviewed the S8 use glasses. I'm always wary about things like that before I see them working in practice. On the plus side, kids can't open your phone by grabbing your hand while you're asleep and pressing it against the home button anymore. They're just going to get creative and start like opening parents' eyelids. <laughs> they, they've also gone quite big with their Bixby voice assistant, uh, even giving it a dedicated button. Yeah, I'm not convinced about these voice assistants. Or just smart assistants in general, I guess. Google already has a voice assistant, which is actually accessible in the Galaxy S8. I'm with, I think, MKBHD, who said he'd pay good money for an app that just lets him use that for Google's assistant instead. I'm not sure why Samsung feels the need to compete with Google products. They've done this from the very beginning, and it just leads to confusion. And I don't think their products are ever better than Google's. Yeah, I I agree. I don't like how Samsung phones often have two or more apps that do exactly the same thing, because there's the Google app and then there's the Samsung one, which is the exact same thing, except a little bit worse, Mm. and sometimes a lot worse. They've also uh, brought USB-C. It's not their first phone to do so, the Note 7, before it dramatically firewalled itself, kind of literally. It had USB-C as well. It does mean that if you had an S7 or an S7 Edge and had the old version of the Gear VR, you can no longer use it on this new phone. Luckily, at least with the pre-orders, they will give you a new one. And if anything is like the S7, then they were giving out Gear VRs with that until like last week anyway. I don't know if anyone buys the Gear VR on it. Yeah, it's $150 here in Australia, so... It's uh, it's a lot of money for... I'm not quite sure how much more functionality it provides over something like Google Cardboard. It connects to the phone, 
but I'm not quite sure what additional features it provides. To wrap up the the essay, it's the pricing here is twelve hundred, one thousand two hundred Australian dollars for the S8 and. One thousand three fifty for the S eight plus, which puts them with sixty four gigs of storage firmly in the same pricing tiers as the iPhone seven and seven plus, which is not unexpected. Uh, they are premium phones, so with with that in mind, on balance, do you like the S eight and S eight plus? I don't hate it. I guess the reason why I'm not that enamored by it is because I do have an S seven Edge already, and I don't see it as a big improvement over the S seven Edge. I mean, the camera, from what what I've heard, has not changed. The back camera, that is. Samsung claimed there's some image processing improvements, but yeah, no physical changes. It would have been nice to see a wider aperture or dual cameras, even. Mm, it seems to be where the market is going. LG G6 has it. Seems like all the Huawei phones have it. Yeah, a little bit disappointing that the only improvement with the imaging on that phone was the front camera. Do I like it? Yes, I like it. I don't own an S7. And I really liked the design of the Note 7, so I was really disappointed when it had so many issues with exploding. And so the S8 picks up all the design elements that I cared about from the Note 7. I don't care about a stylus on a phone. I know other people do. Not important to me. So the S8 brings everything that the Note 7 would have in a slightly cheaper phone. The follow-up question is, will you buy it? I'm guessing the answer is going to be no. If I didn't have an S7 Edge, I'm not sure I would buy it even. Probably because the LG G6, similar specs. They've also got a longer aspect ratio screen. It does have dual cameras. It looks a lot better than the LG G5, which was horrible. And even though it's running a lower processor, I think it's going to be using a Snapdragon 821 instead of the 835 on the S8. I think it's plenty fast enough. It's got same amount of RAM, 4 gigs of RAM. And I'm hoping because the specs are slightly less and because LG is trying to be more competitive, that the price will be a little bit more competitive as well. And also that that fingerprint scanner. I think I can't can't get over how badly placed that fingerprint scanner is on the S8. So it'll, be, it'll probably still be enough for me. I'm, I'm far more torn. I've had one in my cart on JB Hi-Fi. The pre-orders and I've added it and I've deleted it like seven times now. I don't know. I might end up buying one and then keeping it for a few weeks and selling it. It's a beautiful phone for sure, especially the black one. Yeah, I, I really like that black. And it's again, I think that's picking up cues from the Note 7's dark colored design, coupling it with dark metal bands. So you never know. In a few episodes time, I may have to make a sheepish confession that I bought an, uh, an S8. We have one more thing we want to talk about from the announcements, and that's the Gear 360 camera. Oh, uh, yeah. I don't know if you've looked at that much, but it's not really that interested <laughs> at all. I'm kind of interested in that because it's a, it's a 360 camera and there's been a few around. I, I honestly don't know how to take good photos with a 360 camera. I don't own one, so I haven't experimented. But I think it's going to be really hard to not be there awkwardly holding a remote. But the reason I find the Gear 360 interesting is it supports 4K. Okay. And typically, the one of the issues with 360 uh, cameras or video from 360 is that it's, it ends up in 1080p, roughly. And when you've got a very wide area, as soon as anyone zooms in a little or focuses on one direction, you don't have that much resolution left, so it doesn't look very good. Yeah, that makes sense. They do, with the Gear 360, also support 
streaming, although only at 1080. But it does record 4K to the local SD card at the same time. Okay. I like it. I probably won't buy it, though, because if I buy it, then, then I probably also bought the S8, and then I'm poor, so... Yeah, 360 cameras haven't really captured my interest. Not to say that I won't buy one in the future, I just don't know what to use it for yet. It's it's more of a product looking for a market at this point for me. I have a device called the Galileo, which lets you put an iPhone or a GoPro into it, and then it does rotation in 360 degrees, and it's controllable over Bluetooth. And there was an app called Sphere, which would run on the iPhone that was sitting in the Galileo and would let you take a 360-degree panoramic photo. That was fun. Unfortunately, Sphere has been abandoned. The website's still there, but hasn't been updated in years and has no contact information. The app hasn't been updated and refuses to run on anything more recent than an iPhone 5S. Uh, it won't even run on a on an iPod Touch with the A8 processor, the current 6th generation iPod Touch. Even though it's physically the same size and the camera's in the same spot, it doesn't recognize it, so it goes no. Yeah, sadly, it seems like even the Galileo people have abandoned their product. Which is unfortunate, because I, I, it's one of those things which I didn't use a lot, but I really liked it over the times that I did. And so for now, I actually have an iPhone 5S that I've kept, pretty much just so I can still use that app if I want to. Uh, and at some point, I'm just going to have to accept that it's gone and come up with another solution. And maybe these 360 cameras are that other. I guess the benefit of the 360 camera over... The Galileo is that everything is captured at, at a single point. So you don't have stitching errors. You don't have, well, you may have stitching errors, but you'll have less stitching errors. You don't have to worry about people appearing multiple times on the scene. So I guess that's, that's a good thing if you're into capturing everything in, at one point. I think it's, it's really good for when you're on holiday and you want to say, this is what the Eiffel Tower looks like from underneath. I mean, we did that. Or more recently, when we were in Tokyo, it would have been really nice to have that in some of the spots, uh, especially when you're in the middle of a temple. Not sure how well it would fare in, in the middle of the Tokyo scramble. I, you might get crushed, so maybe not a good idea. Although single photo would do it very quickly. Maybe that's it would right. be okay. Maybe that's something to do next time we're there. Okay. Okay, I think that wraps the talking points up. The things I forgot to mention last time is we have a website. It's twopats.live. There is a feedback form there. We'd love to hear from you. If you haven't already subscribed, please do so. There is handy links on the website for how to subscribe in iTunes, Pocket Casts, Overcast, or the URL so you can subscribe anywhere else. We're also on Twitter. Find the link on the website. I'm at the Patrick, And I'm at Limburger2001. Okay, thank you. Bye.